Hi kids, it's the Rita Storis again, and I have something really special just for you. One of the most popular stories of all time is about a little girl named Alice and her adventures in Wonderland. While a wonderful story, Alice's adventures in Wonderland is very long and sometimes complicated. That's why Lewis Carroll decided to write a version of his book just for younger children like you. So, here is The Nursery Alice by Lewis Carroll. Chapter 1. The White Rabbit Once upon a time, there was a little girl called Alice, and she had a very curious dream. Would you like to hear what it was that she dreamed about? Well, this is the first thing that happened. A white rabbit came running by in a great hurry, and just as it passed Alice, it stopped and took its watch out of its pocket. Wasn't that a funny thing? Did you ever see a rabbit that had a watch and a pocket to put it in? Of course, when a rabbit has a watch, it must have a pocket to put it in. It would never do to carry it about in its mouth, and it wants its hand sometimes to run about with. Hasn't it got pretty pink eyes? I think all white rabbits have pink eyes. And pink ears and a nice brown coat, and you can just see its red pocket handkerchief peeping out of its coat pocket. And what with its blue necktie and its yellow waistcoat, it really is very nicely dressed. Oh dear, oh dear, said the rabbit, I shall be too late. What would it be too late for, I wonder? Well, you see, it had to go and visit the Duchess, and the Duchess was a very cross old lady, and the rabbit knew she'd be very angry indeed if he kept her waiting. So the poor thing was as frightened as frightened could be because he thought the Duchess would have his head cut off for a punishment. That was what the Queen of Hearts used to do when she was angry with people. At least she used to order their heads to be cut off, and she always thought it was done— though they never really did it. And so, when the white rabbit ran away, Alice wanted to see what would happen to it, so she ran after it. And she ran, and she ran, till she tumbled right down the rabbit hole. And then she had a very long fall indeed, down and down and down, until she began to wonder if she was going to go right through the world so as to come out on the other side. It was just like a very deep well, only there was no water in it. If anybody really had such a fall as that, it would kill them, most likely. But you know it doesn't hurt a bit to fall in a dream, because all the time you think you're falling, you really are lying somewhere safe and sound and fast asleep. However, this terrible fall came to an end at last, and down came Alice on a heap of sticks and dry leaves. But she wasn't a bit hurt, and up she jumped and ran after the rabbit again. And so that was the beginning of Alice's curious dream. And the next time you see a white rabbit, try and fancy you're going to have a curious dream, just like dear little Alice.
Chapter 2 How Alice Grew Tall And so, after Alice had tumbled down the rabbit hole and had run a long way underground, all of a sudden she found herself in a great hall with doors all round it. But all the doors were locked, so you see, poor Alice couldn't get out of the hall, and that made her very sad. However, after a little while, she came to a little table, all made of glass, with three legs. And on the table was a little key, and she went round the hall and tried if she could unlock any of the doors with it. Poor Alice! The key wouldn't unlock any of the doors. But at last she came upon a tiny little door, and oh, how glad she was when she found the key would fit it. So she unlocked the tiny little door, and she stooped down and looked through it, and what do you think she saw? Oh, such a beautiful garden! And she did so long to go into it, but the door was far too small. She couldn't squeeze herself through any more than you could squeeze yourself into a mouse hole. So poor little Alice locked up the door and took the key back to the table again. And this time she found quite a new thing on it. And what do you think it was? It was a little bottle with a label tied to it, with the words, Drink Me, on the label. So she tasted it, and it was very nice. So she set to work and drank it up. And then such a curious thing happened to her. You'll never guess what it was, so I shall have to tell you. She got smaller and smaller, till at last she was just the size of a little doll. Then she said to herself, Now I'm the right size to get through that little door. And away she ran. But when she got there, the door was locked and the key was on top of the table, and she couldn't reach it. Wasn't it a pity she had locked up the door again? Well, the next thing she found was a little cake, and it had the words, Eat me, marked on it. So, of course, she set to work and ate it up. And then what do you think happened to her? No, you'll never guess. I shall have to tell you again. She grew. And she grew, and she grew, taller than she was before, taller than any child, taller than any grown-up person, taller and taller and taller. Which would you have liked the best, do you think? To be a little tiny Alice, no larger than a kitten, or a great tall Alice with your head always knocking against the ceiling? Chapter 3 The Pool of Tears Perhaps you would think Alice must have been very much pleased when she had eaten the little cake to find herself growing so tremendously tall. Because, of course, it would be easy enough now to reach the little key off the glass table and to open the little tiny door. Well, of course, she could do that, but what good was it to get the door open when she couldn't get through? She was worse off than ever, poor thing. She could just manage by putting her head down close to the ground to look through with one eye. But that was all she could do. 
No wonder the poor tall child sat down and cried as if her heart would break. So she cried, and she cried, and her tears ran down the middle of the hall like a deep river, and very soon there was quite a large pool of tears reaching halfway down the hall. And there she might have stayed till this very day if the white rabbit hadn't happened to come through the hall on his way to visit the duchess. He was dressed up as grand as grand could be, and he had a pair of white kid gloves in one hand and a little fan in the other hand, and he kept on muttering to himself, Oh, the Duchess, the Duchess, oh, won't she be savage if I kept her waiting? But he didn't see Alice, you know. So when she began to say, If you please, sir, her voice seemed to come from the top of the hall because her head was so high up. And the rabbit was dreadfully frightened, and he dropped the gloves and the fan and ran away as hard as he could. Then a very curious thing indeed happened. Alice took up the fan and began to fan herself with it, and lo and behold she got quite small again, and all in a minute she was just about the size of a mouse. And then a real mouse came running by, and Alice tumbled into the pool, and the mouse tumbled in behind her, and began furiously paddling away from Alice. But why is the mouse swimming away from her? Well, the reason is that Alice began talking about cats and dogs, and a mouse always hates talking about cats and dogs. Suppose you were swimming about in a pool of your own tears, and somebody began talking to you about lesson books and bottles of medicine. Wouldn't you swim away as hard as you could go? Chapter 4. The Caucus Race when Alice and the mouse had got out of the pool of tears, of course they were very wet, and so were a lot of other curious creatures that had tumbled in as well. There was a dodo, and a duck, and a lorry, and an eaglet, and several others. Well, and so they didn't know how in the world they were to get dry again. But the dodo, who was a very wise bird, told them the right way was to have a caucus race. And what do you think that was? You don't know? Well, be very attentive, and I'll soon cure you of your ignorance. First, you must have a race course. It ought to be a sort of circle, but it doesn't matter what shape it is so long as it goes a good way round and joins onto itself again. Then you must put all the racers on the course. Here and there, it doesn't matter where, so long as you don't crowd them too much together. Then you needn't say, one, two, three, and away, but let them all set off running just when they like, and leave off just when they like. So all these creatures, Alice and all, went running round and round till they were all quite dry again. And then the dodo said everybody had won, and everybody must have prizes. Of course, Alice had to give them their prizes, and she had nothing to give them but a few comfits she happened to have in her pocket, and there was just one apiece all round and there was no prize for Alice. So what do you think they did? 
but Alice had nothing left but her thimble. Hand it over here, said the dodo. Then the dodo took the thimble and handed it back to Alice and said, We beg your acceptance of this elegant thimble. And then all the other creatures cheered. Wasn't that a curious sort of present to give her? Suppose they wanted to give you a birthday present. Would you rather they should go to your toy cupboard and pick out your nicest doll and say, Here, my love, here's a lovely birthday present for you. Or would you like them to give you something new, something that didn't belong to you before? Chapter 5. Bill the Lizard Now I'm going to tell you about Alice's adventures in the White Rabbit's house. Do you remember how the rabbit dropped his gloves and his fan when he was so frightened at hearing Alice's voice that seemed to come down from the sky? Well, of course, he couldn't go visit the Duchess without his gloves and his fan, so after a bit, he came back again to look for them. By this time, the dodo and all the other various creatures had gone away, and Alice was wandering about all alone. So what do you think he did? Actually, he thought she was his housemaid, and began ordering her about. Mary Ann, he said, go home this very minute and fetch me a pair of gloves and a fan. Quick now! Perhaps he couldn't see very clearly with his pink eyes, for I'm sure Alice doesn't look very like a housemaid, does she? However, she was a very good-natured little girl, so she wasn't a bit offended, but ran off to the rabbit's house as quick as she could. It was lucky she found the door open, for if she had had to ring, I suppose the real Marianne would have come to open the door, and she would never have let Alice come in. And I'm sure it was very lucky she didn't meet the real Marianne as she trotted upstairs, for I'm afraid she would have taken Alice for a robber. So at last she found her way into the rabbit's room, and there was a pair of gloves lying on the table, and she was just going to take them up and go away when she happened to see a little bottle on the table, and of course it had the words, Drink me, on the label. And of course, Alice drank some. Well, I think that was rather lucky, too, don't you? For if she hadn't drunk any, all this wonderful adventure that I'm about to tell you about wouldn't have happened at all, and wouldn't that have been a pity? You're getting so used to Alice's adventures that I dare say you can guess what happened next. If you can't, I'll tell you. She grew, and she grew, and she grew. And in a very short time, the room was full of Alice, just in the same way as a jar is full of jam. There was Alice all the way up to the ceiling and Alice in every corner of the room. The door opened inward, so of course there wasn't any room to open it. So when the rabbit got tired of waiting and came to fetch his gloves for himself, of course he couldn't get in. So what do you think he did? He sent Bill, the lizard, up to the roof of the house and told him to get down the chimney. But Alice happened to have one of her feet in the fireplace, so when she heard Bill coming down the chimney, she just gave a little tiny kick, and away went Bill flying up into the sky. Poor little Bill. Don't you pity him very much? 
how frightened he must have been. Chapter 6 The Dear Little Puppy Well, Alice's little puppy wasn't very little. But then, you see, Alice had grown very small indeed. And that's what makes the puppy look so large. You see, when Alice had eaten one of those little magic cakes that she found in the white rabbit's house, it made her get quite small directly so that she could get through the door or else she could never have got out of the house again. Wouldn't that have been a pity? Because then she wouldn't have dreamed all the other curious things that I'm going to tell you about. So it really was a little puppy, you see. Because she was so small, Alice was a little afraid of it at the time, because she hid behind a great thistle for fear it should run her over. That would have been just about as bad for her as it would have been for you to be run over by a wagon and four horses. Have you got a little pet puppy at your home? If you have, I hope you're always kind to it and give it nice things to eat. Once upon a time, I knew some little children, about as big as you, and they had a little pet dog of their own, and it was called Dash. And this is what they told me about its birthday treat. Do you know, one day we remembered it was Dash's birthday that day, so we said, let's give Dash a nice birthday treat, like what we have on our birthdays. So we thought, and we thought, now, what is it we like best of all on our birthdays? And we thought, and we thought, and at last, we all called out together. Why, it's oatmeal porridge, of course. So, of course, we thought Dash would be quite sure to like it very much. So we went to the cook, and we got her to make a saucer full of nice oatmeal porridge, and then we called Dash into the house, and we said, Now, Dash, you're going to have your birthday treat. We expected Dash would jump for joy, but it didn't one bit. So we put the saucer down before it, and we said, Now, Dash, don't be so greedy. Eat it nicely like a good dog. So Dash just tasted it with the tip of its tongue, and then it made, oh, such a horrid face. And then, do you know, it did hate it so. It wouldn't eat a bit more of it, so we had to put it all down its throat with a spoon. I wonder if Alice will give this little puppy some porridge. I don't think she can, because she hasn't got any with her. Chapter 7. The Blue Caterpillar Would you like to know what happened to Alice after she got away from the puppy? It was far too large an animal, you know, for her to play with. I don't suppose you would enjoy playing with a young hippopotamus, would you? You would always be expecting to be crushed as flat as a pancake under its heavy feet. So Alice was very glad to run away while it wasn't looking. Well, she wandered up and down, and didn't know what in the world to do to make herself grow up to her right size again. Of course, she knew she had to eat or drink something. 
That was the regular rule, you know, but she couldn't guess what thing. However, she soon came to a great mushroom that was so tall that she couldn't see over the top of it without standing on tiptoe. And what do you think she saw? Something that I'm sure you never talked to in all your life. It was a large blue caterpillar. I'll tell you soon what Alice and that caterpillar talked about. Next to the caterpillar was a thing called a hookah, and it's used for smoking. The smoke comes through a long tube that winds round and round like a serpent. He had a long nose and chin. Well, at least they looked like a nose and chin, but they really are two of its legs. You know, a caterpillar has got quantities of legs. What a bother it must be to be a caterpillar counting over such a lot of legs every night to make sure it hasn't lost any of them. And another great bother must be having to settle which leg it had better move first. I think if you had 40 or 50 legs, and if you wanted to go for a walk, you'd be such a time in settling which leg to begin with that you'd never go on a walk at all. Oh, and if you're wondering what Alice and the Caterpillar talked about, well, Alice told it how very confusing it was being first one size and then another. And the Caterpillar asked her if she liked the size she was just then. And Alice said she would like to be just a little bit larger. Three inches was such a wretched height to be. Just mark off three inches on your wall, about the length of your middle finger, and you'll see what size she was. And the caterpillar told her one side of the mushroom would make her grow taller, and the other side would make her grow shorter. So Alice took two little bits of it with her to nibble, and managed to make herself quite a nice comfortable height before she went on to visit the Duchess. Chapter 8. The Pig Baby Would you like to hear about Alice's visit to the Duchess? It was a very interesting visit indeed, I can assure you. Of course, she knocked at the door to begin with, but nobody came, so she had to open it for herself. The door led right into the kitchen. The Duchess sat in the middle of the room nursing the baby. The baby was howling, the soup was boiling, the cook was stirring the soup, the cat, it was a Cheshire cat, was grinning as Cheshire cats always do. All those things were happening just as Alice went in. The Duchess had a beautiful cap and gown, but I'm afraid she hasn't got a very beautiful face. The baby, well, I dare say you've seen several nicer babies than that, and more good-tempered ones, too. And the cook? Well, you may have seen nicer cooks once or twice, but I'm nearly sure you've never seen a nicer cat. And wouldn't you like to have a cat of your own just like that one, with lovely green eyes and smiling so sweetly? The Duchess was very rude to Alice, and no wonder. Why, she even called her own baby Pig. And it wasn't a pig, was it? She ordered the cook to chop off Alice's head, though of course the cook didn't do it, and at last she threw the baby at her. So Alice caught the baby and took it away with her. 
and I think that was about the best thing she could do. So she wandered away through the wood carrying the ugly little thing with her. And a great job it was to keep hold of it. It wiggled about so. But at last, she found out that the proper way was to keep tight hold of its left foot and its right ear. But don't you try and hold on to a baby like that, my child. There are not many babies that like being nursed in that way. And so the baby kept grunting and grunting, so Alice had to say to it quite seriously, If you're going to turn into a pig, my dear, I'll have nothing more to do with you. Mind now. At last she looked down into its face, and what do you think happened to it? Can you guess? Well, the baby had turned into a little pig. So Alice put it down and let it trot away into the wood, and she said to herself, It was a very ugly baby, but it makes a rather handsome pig, I think. Chapter 9. The Cheshire Cat All alone, all alone. Poor Alice. No baby, not even a pig to keep her company. So you may be sure she was very glad indeed when she saw the Cheshire Cat perched up in a tree over her head. The cat has a very nice smile and what a lot of teeth it's got. Alice is a little bit shy of it. But then it couldn't help having teeth, you know and it could have helped smiling, supposing it had been cross. So on the whole, she was glad. Alice looked very prim, holding her head so straight up and with her hands behind her, just as if she were going to say her lessons to the cat. Cheshire Puss, said Alice, wasn't that a pretty name for a cat? Would you tell me which way I ought to go from here? And so the Cheshire Cat told her which way she ought to go if she wanted to visit the Hatter, and which way she ought to go to visit the March Hare. They're both mad, said the Cat. And then the Cat vanished away, just like the flame of a candle when it goes out. So Alice set off to visit the March Hare, and as she went along, there was the Cat again, and she told it she didn't like it coming and going so quickly. So this time the cat vanished quite slowly, beginning with the tail and ending with the grin. Wasn't that a curious thing? A grin without any cat? Wouldn't you like to see one? Chapter 10 the Mad Tea Party Alice had left the Cheshire Cat and had gone off to see the March Hare and the Hatter, as the Cheshire Cat had advised her, and she found them having tea under a great tree, with a dormouse sitting between them. There were only those three at the table, but there were quantities of teacups set all along it. There was the March Hare, with long ears and straws mixed up in its hair. The straws showed he was mad. I don't know why. Never twist up straws among your hair for fear that people should think you're mad. There was a nice green armchair at the end of the table that looked as if it was just meant for Alice, so she went and sat down in it. 
Then she had quite a long talk with the March Hare and the Hatter. The Dormouse didn't say much. You see, it was fast asleep generally, and it only just woke up for a moment now and then. As long as it was asleep, it was very useful to the March Hare and the Hatter because it had a nice, round, soft head, just like a pillow, so they could put their elbows on it and lean across it and talk to each other quite comfortably. You wouldn't let people use your head for a pillow, would you? But if you were fast asleep like the Dormouse, you wouldn't feel it, so I suppose you wouldn't care about it. I'm afraid they gave Alice very little to eat and drink. However, after a bit, she helped herself to some tea and bread and butter. I don't quite know where she got the bread and butter, for she had no plate for it. Nobody seems to have had a plate except the Hatter. I believe the March Hare must have had one, because when they all moved one place, and that was the rule at this curious tea party, and Alice had to go into the place of the March Hare, she found he had just upset the milk jug into his plate. So I suppose his plate and the milk jug were hidden behind a large teapot. The Hatter used to carry about hats to sell, and even the one he has on his head is meant to be sold. You see, it's got a price mark on it, a ten and a six. That means ten shillings and a sixpence. Wasn't that a funny way of selling hats? He also had a lovely yellow necktie on with large red spots. He got up to say to Alice, Your hair needs cutting. That was a rude thing to say, wasn't it? I think Alice's hair is a very pretty length, just the right length. Chapter 11 The Queen's Garden To visit the Queen's beautiful garden, Alice managed to get quite small at last, so she could go through the little door. I suppose she was about as tall as a mouse if it stood on its hind legs, so of course this was a very tiny garden and a very tiny rose tree with very tiny gardeners. What funny little men those gardeners are! But are they men, do you think? I think they're live cards with just a head and arms and legs, so as to look like little men. And what are they doing with that red paint, I wonder? Well, you see, this is what they told Alice. The Queen of Hearts wanted to have a red rose tree just in that corner. And these poor little gardeners had made a great mistake, and they had put in a white one instead. And they were so frightened about it, because the Queen was sure to be angry, and then she would order all their heads to be cut off. She was a dreadfully savage queen, and that was the way she always did when she was angry with people. Off with their heads! They didn't really cut their heads off, you know, because nobody ever obeyed her, but that was what she always said. Now, can't you guess what those poor little gardeners are trying to do now? They're trying to paint the roses red, and they're in a great hurry to get it done before the queen comes, and then perhaps the queen won't find out it was a white rose tree to begin with, and then perhaps the little men won't get their heads cut off. There were five large white roses on the tree, and it was such a job to get them all painted red. But they've only got three and a half done now, and if only they wouldn't stop to talk. Work away, little men, do work away, or the queen will be coming before it's done. 
And if she finds any white roses on the tree, do you know what will happen? It will be off with their heads. Oh, work away, my little men. Hurry, hurry. The queen has come. And isn't she angry? Oh, my poor little Alice. Chapter 12. The Lobster Quadrille. Did you ever play at croquet? There are large wooden balls painted with different colors that you have to roll about, and arches of wire that you have to send them through, and great wooden mallets with long handles to knock the balls about with. In this strange croquet game, the balls were live hedgehogs. You know a hedgehog can roll itself into a ball. And the mallets? were live flamingos. Alice was resting from the game for a minute to have a chat with that dear old thing, the Duchess, and of course she kept her mallet under her arm so as not to lose it. Wait, you don't think the Duchess was a dear old thing? To call her baby a pig and to want to chop off Alice's head? Oh, that was only a joke about chopping off Alice's head. And as to the baby? Why, it was a pig, you know and the Duchess's smile is whiter than all of Alice's head. Well, they'd only had a very little chat when the Queen came and took Alice away to go see the Griffin and the Mock Turtle. Do you know what a Griffin is? It's a creature with a red head, red claws, and green scales. And the other was a Mock Turtle. It's got a calf's head because a calf's head is used to make Mock Turtle soup. Now you know. Alice asked the queen, But what are they doing, going round and round Alice like that? Why, of course, they're dancing a lobster quadrille. And if you ever meet a griffin and a mock turtle, I dare say they'll dance it for you if you ask them prettily. Only don't let them come quite close, or they'll be treading on your toes as they did on poor Alice's. Chapter 13. Who Stole the Tarts? Did you ever hear how the Queen of Tarts made some hearts? And can you tell me what became of them? Why, of course you can. There's a song about it. The Queen of Hearts, she made some tarts all on a summer day. The Knave of Hearts, he stole those tarts and took them quite away. Well, the song says so, but it would never do to punish the poor Knave just because there was a song about him. They had to take him prisoner and put chains on his wrists and bring him before the King of Hearts so that there might be a regular trial. The king was very grand. But he didn't look very happy. I think that big crown on top of his wig must be very heavy and uncomfortable. But he had to wear them both, you see, so the people might know he was a judge and a king. And the queen looks cross because she can see the dish of tarts on the table that she had taken such trouble to make, and she could see the bad knave with the chains hanging from his wrist that stole them away from her. So I don't think it's any wonder if she does feel a little cross. The white rabbit is standing near the knight, reading out the song to tell everybody what a bad knave he is. And the jury in the jury box have to settle whether he's guilty 
or not guilty. Alice, who was sitting close by the jury box, was called as a witness. You know what a witness is? A witness is a person who has seen the prisoner do whatever he's accused of, or at any rate knows something that's important in the trial. But Alice hadn't seen the queen make the tarts, and she hadn't seen the knave take the tarts, and in fact she didn't know anything about it, so why in the world they wanted her to be a witness, I'm sure I can't tell you. Anyhow, they did want her. And the white rabbit blew his big trumpet and shouted out, Alice! And so Alice jumped up in a great hurry. And then, what do you think happened? Why, her skirt caught against the jury box and tipped it over, and the twelve jurors, the frog, the dormouse, the rat, the ferret, the hedgehog, the lizard, the bantam cock, the mole, the duck, the squirrel, the storkling, and the mouseling all went tumbling to the floor. Alice picked them all up again, very carefully, and I hope they weren't much hurt. Chapter 15. The Shower of Cards What happened next to Alice? I'll tell you what happened next as well as I can. The way the trial ended was this. The king wanted the jury to settle whether the knave of hearts was guilty or not guilty. That means they were to settle whether he had stolen the tarts or if somebody else had taken them. But the wicked queen wanted to have his punishment settled first of all. That wasn't at all fair, was it? Because, you know, supposing he never took the tarts, then, of course, he oughtn't to be punished. Would you like to be punished for something you hadn't done? So Alice said to the queen, Stuff and nonsense. So the queen said, Off with her head! Just what she always said when she was angry. So Alice said, Who cares for you? You're nothing but a pack of cards. So the cards were all very angry and flew up into the air and came tumbling down again all over Alice, just like a shower of rain. And I think you'll never guess what happened next. The next thing was, Alice woke up out of her curious dream, and she found that the cards were only some leaves off the tree that the wind had blown down upon her face. Wouldn't it be a nice thing to have a curious dream, just like Alice? The best plan is this. First, lie down under a tree and wait till a white rabbit runs by with a watch in his hand. Then shut your eyes and pretend to be dear little Alice. Goodbye, Alice, dear. Goodbye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that special story written just for you by the man who wrote Alice in Wonderland. Thanks for listening to Read a Storis, and please listen to some of our other stories and tell your folks to check out our stories for grown-ups at litreading.com. <laughs>